as I say every, every week, right, this is important stuff. Um, but I can say this is really important stuff this week as we talk about discipleship and as we take a break from, from the book of James. Um, and we did this about four months ago. We took a break. We were teaching through the book of Galatians, and we taught two weeks about discipleship. And then we started these what we called C4 groups, and I shared with you guys this amazing analogy about what C4 and how it was an explosive, and you put it together, and we don't have to go through that today. I don't know that I've thought much about that since I shared it with you, but we started talking about C4 groups, started talking about discipleship. And so I talked about the process and what that would look like, and for us, we began to gather together in these groups, and to walk together and get to know each other and to do life together. We wanted those relationships to grow as we grew in Christ and that we would walk with each other. And as I talked to you, I said this was the first step. This was a part of a process, and that process would continue on. It wouldn't stop there, and that we really wanted to move to something different, but we had to start in this place where we gathered together in groups, we got to know each other, we built relationships as we moved into more and more into discipleship. And so discipleship is our mission. If you guys will look at our, our mission statement, the, the first slide. It says, bound together through and for the gospel, we are a diverse people who collectively seek to fully proclaim by word and deed the supremacy and worth of Jesus Christ. How? By being and making His disciples. So the heart of the mission statement, the very reason we exist as a church, is to fully proclaim by word and deed the supremacy and worth of Jesus Christ. And we do that by being and by making disciples. So discipleship is foundational. Discipleship is essential. Discipleship is critical. And we have to make it a priority. Discipleship is gospel-driven. Discipleship is church-centered. Discipleship is neighbor-focused. All of our core values, the things that we're about, at the heart of that is discipleship. If we don't do discipleship, we can't do any of those other things. We can't be what God is asking us to be. We can't do what He's asking us to do. And so if we exist as true disciples of Jesus Christ, and if we're making true disciples of Jesus Christ, then we will participate in what God is doing in this neighborhood. I'll tell you, if we're not being disciples and making disciples, we're going to miss the boat. What God is doing here, we're going to miss out on. We're not going to participate in it. But if we focus on discipleship, making disciples, being disciples, then this vision that we have of being a multi-ethnic, multilingual, multi-class, gospel-centered community, that's going to happen. And the way that's going to happen is by focusing on discipleship. As Manuel and Melanie shared when they came back, what broke my heart was just hearing how these churches had been started, these churches began, and yet there wasn't the discipleship wasn't happening, there wasn't the leadership development, it wasn't occurring, and how they saw after years things just didn't work, things were broken down. In many instances there was not unity in the church, there was strife amongst the families, and there was no discipleship happening. And so I want to talk through that. We're going to review this idea of C4 and what discipleship looks like, these principles of discipleship, and then we're going to talk about, so how are we to go about this, and then what's the context of discipleship as we move forward? We want to look at biblical examples. And we've been before, I taught this through Luke. Today we're going to focus on 2 Timothy. But as we consider the life of Christ, Christ said, come and follow me. 
You look at Mark 3, verse 14, it says, And he appointed the twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. So they might be with him, and so that he might send them out to preach. When Christ said, come and follow me, he said, literally, come and be my companion. Literally, walk with me, watch my life, be part of my life, experience life with me. I'll teach you along the way. I'll speak to you along the way. You'll watch what I do. You'll see my conduct. You'll see my faith. You'll see how I minister. And then we see in the early church when they gathered together in Acts. In Acts 2.44 it says, And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. They gathered together. They didn't believe in Christ and begin to follow Christ and say, You know what? This is great. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to study the Bible. I'm going to pray to God. And once a week I'll gather together with some other people and I'm going to follow Christ that way. Is that they gathered together, they came together as a community, and they decided to follow Christ together. They knew they couldn't do it on their own. And so we're going to focus on 2 Timothy. And this is the idea of the first century church, right? This was the Gentile church. This was the church outside of Jerusalem. There were no ethnic Jews per se. They were Gentiles like us, of the people groups, of the nations. And so I want to walk through these biblical principles of, of C4. And those are the call of discipleship, the cost of discipleship, the, com- the community of discipleship, and then the commission of discipleship. And my heart as we go through this is it's going to be a little different today. We're just going to be reading a lot of scripture. I'll make some points to it. We'll connect to the next. But I want you guys to see what I'm talking about. This is not something that I dreamed up, not something that I created and then went to God's word and say, oh, I hope this makes sense. I hope I can find something to support what, what I put together here is that we, we went to God's Word and said, God, how would you have us do this? What do you tell us about discipleship? What does this look like? And Lord, how can we then do that? How can we then realize that in our lives? So the first is call. And it's a call to believe and to follow. And sometimes we get that confused. We say, well, I want to believe. And okay, after five years of believing, okay, I'm ready to follow you now. But it's one thing. It's one and the same. It's a call to follow and to, or to believe and to follow. They can't be separated. If I believe, I'm going to follow. And if I follow, it's because I believe. And it's this call to humility and a call to hope. When we come to Christ, we understand that outside of Christ, I am nothing. I have nothing to bring. I have nothing to give. It's not of my own works. It's because God's grace and what He's done in my life, because He's chosen me, He's called me. It's completely not me. It's all about God. And so we're called to this humility. God says He wants us to humble ourselves now and it will be exalted later. And He talks about this future, this hope that we have about what will happen, what He will do in our lives, how He will restore us, He will redeem us fully, we'll be with Him. As we've talked about the book of James, we've talked about this idea that we'll receive this crown of life. That that's why we continue in this race. We continue through these trials and these difficulties because we know that God promises us this crown of life. He's been faithful to bring us in. He's been faithful in our life right now and He'll be faithful in His time to come. So our hope is in Christ alone. So a call to to humility and a call to hope. And so let me just read through these verses in 2 Timothy that demonstrate some of those of this, this principle of discipleship, this call. So first in regards to humility. Chapter 1, verse 6, it says, For this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, this gift of God, what you receive from God, which is in you 
through the laying on of my hands. It's not what you achieved, not what you went out and got, it's what God gave to you. Realize your place. In verse 9 it says, Who saved us is God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and His grace. Again, we see it's because of what God has done. And we need to realize that and realize our place. It's what God has done in our lives, not what we do for Him. And then in regards to a call to hope, Paul is telling Timothy, in chapter 2, verse 11 through 12, he says, if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. He says, if we endure, we will also reign. We will reign. We will live. That will come. He has this hope, and that's why he continues in what he's doing. That's why he says, Timothy, continue on, just like I've continued on, because we have this hope. In chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And the time of my departure has come. And this is what I want to be able to say. As I read this, like, I want to be able to say this. I want to be able to say this to somebody else in their life and say, listen to me, you've seen this, you've watched me. Since I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, henceforth, or therefore, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. That that's why we do what we're doing. That's why we suffer. That's why we continue. That's why we remain. That's why we remain steadfast. Because there's a call to humility and there's a call to hope. And so moving from the call, we move on to the cost. The cost of discipleship. And we can get sort of excited about the call and like, yeah, okay, I can admit that I'm nothing. I can come to Christ and I need Him. And I'm excited about this hope that I have, but we've got to live this life now between the moment that Christ saves us until the moment that He calls us home or He returns that we experience His crown of life. And as we do that, there's a cost associated with it. And the first is this cost of priority. Jesus wants to be first in everything. He says, I want to be first place in your life in everything, every time. Everything, every time. That's what's going to cost you. That's the priority that I have to have. So he is completely the most important thing in our lives. And then as Jesus talked, as he preached, he said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's urgent as well. And we can, we can talk about things that are important, but they're not necessarily urgent. So if you guys remember this, I showed this back in Trent's house. And this was shared for, with me and my job of how to figure out, okay, what is it that I need to do today? And you can see on the left side that importance from low to high and then on the bottom from urgency from low to high and something can be very important but it's not very urgent and I can wait and I can do that tomorrow something can be very urgent but it's not very important but I better do it today but when something is very urgent and it's also very important that's a critical activity that's something that I've got to focus on and I've got to focus on it every day it's got to be regular it's got to be just a part of my day a part of the rhythm of my life it's important and it's also urgent and so this is the priority that Christ has. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. You've got to be about this now. And he says, I want to be first place. Jesus should be a critical activity every day that we wake up, every day that he gives us life. And we think of him more as an important goal. We know he's important, but it doesn't become very urgent. And you guys know day in, day out, what becomes urgent is what you take care of. 
So we need to see it in that way. We need to understand that the kingdom of God is urgent, that the time is now. So look at uh, chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. It says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Again, this is from 2 Timothy. Paul telling Timothy, he says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Basically saying, don't lose your focus. I brought you in. You're, in my, you're, you're mine. I've owned you. I possess you. I've told you what to focus on. If you're a soldier, this is, this is your mission. That's all I want you to think about. This is what you breathe, eat, and sleep. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Paul's telling Timothy, don't lose your focus. Don't get entangled in other pursuits. Focus on me. Pursue me. I'm important and I'm urgent. And so the second part of cost is this cost of self-sacrifice. And this, for me, is the hardest thing to swallow. It's the hardest piece to get my mind around. That Jesus told his disciples, if you're not willing to follow me, if you're not willing to lose your life, you're not worthy to follow me. You have to be willing to lose your life in order to follow me. He says it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's not one time that you decide, okay, I'm willing to lose my life. It's day in and day out. I continue to decide. I'm going to follow you in obedience. I'm going to continue to lose my life. I'm going to walk this uphill. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. And it's to my own death. And slowly I'm dying more and more and more. But slowly he's being grown in us more and more. And so we have to be willing to walk that out. He wants us to be all in. Or he basically wants us to go home. One of my, the, the man that I watched growing up that impacted me more than anyone, my best friend's dad, and he was on staff with Crusade, and I would walk in, I spent more time at their house, and I would watch his life. I saw how he lived. I saw him praying with his wife. I saw his entire focus, his entire priority was on the gospel. And I remember he shared, he was a chaplain for the Atlanta Falcons, and when he would share with these guys that had everything, they had money, they had fame, they had everything, and they would come to a point where they would want to receive the gospel. And he was so quick to tell them, I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready. And he, I remember him telling these stories of these big, huge 300-pound men, and it's like, you've got to sell out. Don't do this unless you're willing, unless you're ready to sell out. Because once you do this, you've got to leave everything else behind. Once you do this, this is all that matters. And so we have to consider that as well. We have to be ready to sell out. Jesus wants us to be all in or all out. He wants us to count the cost and consider, are we willing to do this? And so in 2 Timothy, a few verses that demonstrate that, of this idea of self-sacrifice. And again, I want you guys just to see this, that this is all through Scripture, that this is not me talking, this is not my ideas, but this is what God shows us through His Word. Chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, but share in suffering. Share in suffering for the Gospel by the power of God. In verse 1, 12, he says, This is which this Gospel, which is why I suffer as I do. Chapter 2, verse 9, for which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal. And I just think through that, how many of us have been called a criminal? How many of us have even really been ridiculed for the gospel, been ridiculed for our beliefs? In chapter 3, verse 11 through 12, he says, Paul is saying again, My persecutions and sufferings, what happened to me at Antioch, and at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. In verse 12. 
This is the part I wish I could leave out. Indeed, all. Indeed, all. Not some, not most, not a certain percentage, but indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And I've heard so many people preach and, 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 and teach, well, you come to Christ and Christ is going to make the most of your life. You need to be the best you now, right? And it's not what Scripture teaches. The best me is to come. The best me is when I receive this crown of life and I'm as God has purposed me to be. I'll be redeemed and restored. But right now, there's going to be difficulty. It's going to be death to myself. There's going to be sacrifice and suffering. And so I don't want us to miss that. I don't want us to, to misunderstand or think wrongly. So the call and the cost. And the third piece would be community. That there's a community within discipleship. When we come to Christ, we are part of Him. We're in Christ. And as we come to Christ, it's not that we, we receive Christ and we come and we're part of Him and then, okay, I've been walking with Christ for a few weeks. Now I need to be a part of a church. I need to be part of His body. No, the moment that we come into Christ, we are now part of His body. Whether you like it or not, you're part of the church. You're part of His family. It's not I-focused or I-based, but it's Christ-focused. It's not I-focused, but it's my church-focused. It's my neighbor-focused. So we lose this, this identity, this I. Our identity comes with Christ and as we are a part of His body. And so look in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10 through 13, and I will butcher all these names. Okay? I'll just do my best and you guys can laugh. But I want you to realize that Paul was not alone. That Timothy was not alone. That you look at these names and you look at the partnership, even like what we talked about of Melanie and Emmanuel going to Oaxaca, this partnership that we are a part of this body. And there were relationships going back and forth. In verse 10 it says, For Damas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, that's an unfortunate name. I have sent to Ephesus. It says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. In verse 19, greet, greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as does Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. So anybody that wants to read that can try. But you realize, look at all those names. Look at all those relationships. Look at the community. We think about Paul and this apostle that was going to plant these church and raise up leaders. But we don't realize all of the relationships that were occurring, all of these interactions that they had. He wrote about these people because he cared about these people. They were his family. They had deep, intimate relationships. And if you look, some of those relationships, and I cut out some of them on the front end and the back end of this, but some of those relationships were messy. Some of those relationships didn't turn out well. Look in verse 10, he says that Damas was in love with this present world and he deserted me. He talks about others that did him wrong. And I want us to know, as we do community, if we come together as disciples of Christ and are in each other's life, it's going to get messy. 
And there's going to be some that say, I don't want a part of this. I really don't want you in my life. I don't want you in the details of my life. I want to keep my life a little bit separate. This is what I do with my family and in my house. And I live this out and I'll see you on Sunday and we'll have a superficial relationship. And they're not going to want to go deep. They're not going to want to be in each other's lives. And they'll walk away. And there will be people that that will do that. Those people that have done that, even amongst us in our body, that say, you know what, this is not for me. But this is what I see biblically, that we would truly be in each other's lives, that we would be community. And as we're community, the God would raise up issues in our lives, issues that we've had for years, but yet they come to light and we have to deal with them because you know me too well. I'm walking with you in such a manner that I have to deal with these, and God has to be glorified. So we have to come together in community to do this discipleship. And as we do that in community, God brings us together collectively and we represent Him. We don't represent Him. We represent Him somewhat as individuals, but when we come together as His body, we fully represent Him. Just as God sent Jesus, He says, I want you to go and you're going to demonstrate and represent me. And now Christ has spoken to us. He says, I want you to go and you're going to demonstrate and represent me. And so that's what we do as the body, as a community. We collectively demonstrate Christ. We're supposed to be His fullness as the church. A few things that we looked at before out of 1 Peter, where we get our, the name for our church, chapter 2. He says that we're this chosen race. That our primary identity, our first identity as a body together, is not in my background, is not in my family, is not where I'm from, but it's in Jesus Christ, that I'm one in Christ, and that together we are His body. It's not that we lose all these other identities, but Christ is our first identity. It's our primary identity. He says we're a royal priesthood. I tell, as I spoke with Mari Cruz two weeks ago, I says, now you are a daughter of the King. Right? And we're supposed to interact with, with society. We're supposed to interact with people on behalf of this King. That we have this relationship that's been reconciled vertically, that we have a right relationship with God, and now we're supposed to share that with others so that they can come to know Him. So it's vertical as well as horizontal. He says we're to be a holy nation. We're set apart, but we're still set within. We're not of this world, but we're in this world. As I talked about two weeks ago, that we're supposed to be sinless friend of sinners. We're supposed to be different, but that doesn't mean we pull ourselves out. And lastly, we're a people for His own possession. We belong to God, and we belong to each other. We belong to God, and we belong to each other. We have to realize that. We have to realize that's our place. If He has purchased us, if He redeems us, then He owns us. As we've talked about, that we're to be His slave, that we're to do what He asks us to do, that He's given us His life, and we're supposed to give Him our life in return. And we do that together. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul tells Timothy, he says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, does he say by yourself? And he says, no. He says, do this along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That as we flee our youthful passions, we pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. We're to do that together. We're to do that with others. We're to do that with the body. We don't go in our room and do that just by ourselves. And this is how I'm growing in Christ is just when I spend this time by myself. We do that. We go to the Lord by ourselves. But yet we have to come together as a body. If God's going to realize this, if, if we're going to be fully demonstrating to Him, we have to do that together. So that's the call, the cost, and the community of discipleship. 
And, and last is this idea of commission. Jesus is with his disciples and he's telling them what they're going to be about. This is what I want you to be about. This is your mission. This is what I want you to focus on. And he says, all authority basically is given to me in heaven and earth and actually under the earth. In every place, every time, I have authority. And I have the ability to tell you because I own you. I'm telling you what to do, where to do it, who to do it with, and how to do it. He wants, this is what I want you to do. And as he gives this instruction, he says, I want you to make disciples. And if you look at that in the, in the original text and you break it all down, the only thing that he's telling them to do, the one thing that he's given them, this one imperative is to make disciples. I want you to be disciples, and I want you to make disciples. Everything else is describing how they're going to make disciples. So it's where they're going to go. They're going to go into all the world. They're going to go into all the nations, the ethne, to who, to all the ethnic groups. It wasn't just about Jerusalem. It wasn't just about the Israelites. It was to go into all the world, to all, everyone of every background. That this was Christ's new idea. This is the full kingdom. This is what the kingdom was going to look like. And he says, I want you to baptize them and teach them. I want you to bring them into this new allegiance. I want them to come before and be part of this new family. That you would, you would bring them in, that they would be under this new covenant, that they would be together. And you would teach them to do all the things that I've commanded you. Our lives would reflect what he's asked us to do. And you've got to think, as these guys were sitting there, and there was just 11 of them, and Jesus is telling them, go make disciples. As I came into your lives and you followed me and you became my disciples, I want you to do the same thing. And yes, I am Jesus Christ. I'm the Son of God. I am God incarnate. And it took me three years to get the 11 of you to just to follow me. And you really don't understand what you're doing. You don't even have a clue yet, really, what's going on. And what I want you to do is I want you to get other people to do the same thing. As you follow me, as you walk uphill to this death, your own death, this painful death that I'm asking you to do. And by the way, I want you to get other people to come with you. We're going to go on this great trip and I want other people to come with me. And they've got to think that he's, he's nuts. I mean, he, I'm just, they had to think there was some other strategy that he was going to share to establish the kingdom of God. And yet Jesus says... Just like I've done over the last three years. I wasn't very effective. There's just 11 of you. One of you fell away. But I want you guys to go do the same thing. And that's how simple it is. That's what he's asked us to do. Follow him. And as we follow him, share our lives with others. Share the gospel with others. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, he says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I endure everything for the sake of the elect, for the sake of those to be saved. Chapter 4, verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. That through us, that the message of the gospel might be proclaimed and that all of this neighborhood would hear it. That God would call home His family that's here in this neighborhood. That people would be saved. That we would rejoice over that. That that's what He's put us here for. To walk like Him and to ask others to walk with us. So we as a church, as a body, we must be on mission. And our mission is to be and to make disciples. 
And the mission is the church, that we would bring together its communities of disciples that are being and making disciples. This demonstrates and proclaims the supremacy and the worth of Jesus Christ. So as you look at this, as you look at 2 Timothy, if you look at other books, as you look at the New Testament, the vehicle that God has chosen to demonstrate His glory is discipleship. It has to be what we're about. So if you've answered the call, if you've considered the cost, and you're willing to live out this commission and do it in the context of this community, that's what I see as biblical discipleship. That's what given this cute little name of C4, but that's what it describes as these principles that we see there. And so I want you guys to know to be a part of Livingstones is to be in discipleship. It's to be a disciple and to be making disciples. It's not to attend Sunday gatherings. It's not to love our neighbors. It's not to gather together and have fellowship and build community. All those things are important, and all those things are part of discipleship, but that's not discipleship. Discipleship is more foundational than that. I want us to be a church of disciples. I don't want us to be a church of events. I don't want us to be a church of a cool bilingual Sunday morning gathering. I don't even want us to be a church of small groups. I want us to be a church of disciples. That's what I see as biblical. If I was to open this book and I just read and I said, God, what would you have us do? He wants us to be disciples. And his body would be full of disciples who are making other disciples. And so that's all great. We can all get behind that. We can all agree with that. You can all see that in God's word. But then how are we supposed to actually do that? Those are great principles, those are great ideas, Britt, but really, how am I going to live that out day in and day out? How is my life going to demonstrate that? How are we going to do that as a body? And so I want to say as we finish in 2 Timothy, that it's, it's through the Word, and it's according to the Word. And as I share these principles, it's what I see in God's Word. As we live out these principles, we would live it out according to the Word and through the Word of God. That it would be primary, that it would be foundational. And so let me just read these scriptures again from 2 Timothy. So as we go through this process of making disciples, that the Word would be central. Chapter 3, verse 16. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The only way we're going to be complete, the only way we're going to be equipped for every good work is through the Word of God, by the Word of God. That's going to instruct us. That's what we follow. In chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Paul is telling Timothy again, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. And so what do you have to be, what do you have to do to be approved? Yet to be a worker who has no need to be ashamed because you rightly handle the word of truth. That if we rightly handle the word of God, as we share in each other's lives, as I share with you guys, as we teach, if we're rightly handling this word, we have the authority of God. This is not my idea. This is not what I think. This is what God has shown us. This is what God has told us to do. God has told us to be and to make disciples. Chapter 3, 7 through 9. And if you read right before this, Paul has just described some low-down, no-good people. All these terrible things that they're doing. 
But he says in verse 7, he says, these people are always learning and they're never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. They were literally studying the Word of God, looking at the Word of God, but they couldn't arrive at the truth, a knowledge of the truth, to understand it and actually put it into action. He says in verse 8, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. And so look at verse 9. Focus on this. It says, But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. If we don't do discipleship according to the Word of God, it's going to fail. If we don't do what God has asked us through His Word, eventually our folly will be made known to everyone. This neighborhood will look, and this neighborhood will put up their noses. This neighborhood will say, look at those hypocrites. Look at what they're saying. I hear what they say. I hear what they say they're going to do, but I have yet to see it. I've yet to experience it. And if we experience it in each other's lives, like our folly will be proven unless we hold to the Word of God. So Paul tells Timothy in chapter 4, verse 2 through 4, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We start to take the word of God and we substitute God, I think I have a better way. God, I think I have a better strategy, a better way to do this, a better way to bring you glory. And we just become hypocrites. And if you don't think the world sees us as hypocrites, they don't see the church as hypocrites, all you have to do is ask. It's the number one descriptor of what non-believers, what they see the church as. The number one descriptor is hypocrites. And it's because we take the Word of God and we adjust the Word of God and we make the Word of God fit to our lives instead of fitting our lives to the Word of God. And so as we are about this business of discipleship, the Word of God needs to direct us and it's going to change us. We're going to go through the Word of God. But then we have to understand what's the context. And the context is intimate relationships. It's this idea of family relationships, of personal relationships, close relationships that we would be intimately associated with each other. Look at chapter 3, verse 10 through 11 and verse 14. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And I've read this over and over. I've read this many times before, and I've missed this again and again. But look at what Paul tells Timothy. He says, You, however, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. But in verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. Paul and Timothy had a relationship that was so intimate, that was so personal. Timothy could speak to everything about Paul. He says, I followed you. I know not just what you teach, but I know your conduct. 
I know your way of life. I've been with you. I've been close and in proximity with you. That I know how you act. I know how you behave. I know what's most important in your life. I know what's a priority. I know your aim in life. I've watched your faith. I've seen it when you've been tested and you've endured. I've seen your patience, your love, your steadfastness. I've seen how you've interacted when you've gone through suffering, when there's been difficulties. He was close enough. They were close enough to each other where Tim, Paul could say, you've heard what I've done. You've watched my life. I want you to remember who you've learned it from and I want you to go put it into practice. In chapter 1, verse 13 through 14, he says, I want you to follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. He wants him to follow the pattern. Follow the pattern of my life. You've seen my life. We've done life together. I want you to follow this pattern. And I think we have missed that somehow. We just want to listen to teaching. We want to read our Bible. Listen to a podcast. Keep the radio on. And yet we, we miss what God has. This image of God. This, this demonstration of God that we have in our brothers and sisters as we walk with each other. And I can see the Word of God come to life in you. I can see what your aim in life is. I can see your conduct. I can see your faith. And that it would train me and that it would teach me and that we would do that in each other's life. But we have to be in intimate relationships to do that. It can't be a passing relationship. And so chapter 2, verse 2. If I had to boil down 2 Timothy, if I had to boil down Paul's instructions to Timothy, I think it would come down to this one verse. Because he says, this is how I want you to do it. It's according to the Word, and it's through the Word, and it's in this context of relationships. But this, again, is what you're going to be about. And this is how you're going to do it. He says, and what you've heard from me, that you've witnessed in my life, that you've seen in my life, what you've heard me teach, in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. So Paul's telling Timothy, what I received from Christ, I've shown to you. You've seen in my life. I've given this to you, Timothy. Now, Timothy, I want you to pass it on to another, to other faithful men that are going to be able to ter- pass it on to others also. It's this idea of four generations of passing on this leadership, of passing on the Word of God, changing people's lives, working in people's lives. That I'm following Christ, and now you follow me, and then we're going to follow together, and we're going to get other people, and then we're going to teach that into others' lives. It's generation after generation after generation of discipleship. And that's what God has for us. And that's what I want Living Stones to be about. If we don't do anything else, that we would get this right. That we would be, we'd have a Paul and that we'd each have a Timothy. That there'd be somebody that's pouring into our lives. And because they've been pouring into our lives, there's somebody else that I'm going to pour into their lives. That I'm going to walk with. That they're going to see my faith. They're going to see my conduct. And that I'm preparing them to pour into someone else's life. And it just continues to go on and continues to go on. That's God's strategy. That's what He's told us. That's how He wants to be glorified. That's how He's going to change us, and that's how He's going to change this neighborhood. But we have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing to hear that call, to consider the cost, to do that in community, and then we live out this commission of being and making disciples. And it's done through the Word of God. It's done in relationship. And it would continue to multiply. It would multiply. So I want just a few minutes... I know this is a difficult day, right, with our limited sleep and, and sitting, but, but just to talk through the logistics of how we're going to do this, 
And this is not, uh, as we move forward in discipleship and as we realize this and as we live this out, this is not a restructuring. This is a next step in the process. This is how we continue to move forward. This is what I talked about four months ago. And so we're going to be going through this process where we're going to start to come out into these life, life-on-life relationships where we're going to have people that are pouring into us and the expectation that we're going to be pouring into someone else. And as we've considered this, this is not something that I went in a closet and thought up on my own and did on my own. That those, the, 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 those are in leadership and the groups we've been coming together for weeks. I've been sharing these ideas. We've been praying for this and praying that God would lead us in this and this would be according to His Word and it would be through His Word and that we would do this as we see. Not do this as we see another church do. Not do this as we see what's, what's the coolest thing out there. But we would do this according to the Word of God. And so the structure, again, is life on life is walking with someone else, being in an intimate, close relationship so that you know what's going on in their life and they know what's going on in yours. And we're going to communicate this. What's going to happen over the next week is uh, if you're in a C4 group, that your leader is going to have a one-to-one conversation with you, talk through this with you, get your feedback, make sure this makes sense to you. If this doesn't make sense, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Word of God. This is not my opinion. You won't offend me. You won't offend any of the leaders. This is what we see according to the Word of God. And so we're going to have those conversations and talk through what the structure will look like. Talk through who we've prayed through and who we think we want you to walk with this person or we want this person to walk with you. And then we would encourage you over the next two weeks as we finish March that you would just really start to connect with those individuals. Nothing formal. You don't have to start a curriculum. You don't have to start doing anything particular. There's no structure, but just start to get to connect and to know these individuals, to know those that you're going to be walking with. Just, just listen to them. Just go have coffee. Just sit down. Just go sit with them as they make dinner and help them make dinner in their house. It, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be formal. Walk with them. See their lives. Just start to establish these relationships. And then as we get to April, we'll start a little bit more with a formal, with the curriculum. We'll do the Multiply curriculum, which really starts with understanding what does it mean to believe in Christ? What does a disciple look like? What is discipleship? And then it goes through the story of God and understanding that we'd understand the Bible as one complete work, as we'd understand this is what God is doing. This is what He started in the garden. This is what He's going to finish in the end when there's a new heaven and a new earth. And where do we fit into that? What are we, who are we as the church and how are we to live this out and act? And those are things that we all need to know, we all need to be uh, comfortable with and understand so that we can implement them in our lives. And that's a piece of it, but the other piece is then just walking with them, right? We'll be according to the Word of God and through the Word of God, but it's about this relationship, that life would happen, that, that, that issues would be raised up, that issues would be dealt with, that God would be glorified as we live life together. Questions? Thoughts? Ideas? And seriously, that this will be an open time. I don't want you to be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what he just said and we're going to do this. Like, let's talk about it. <laughs> Even though we lost an hour. God will multiply our time. So if there's questions or thoughts, um, just wanted to open that up and really be transparent. Because again, this is what we feel like the Word of God shows us and what the Word of God asks of us. And that's what we want to be about. Right, so yeah, so we won't have... Our groups will... 
as we do discipleship, one-to-one -one relationships, we're talking through like this opportunity. How can we still come together, you know, a group of us, and maybe it's once a month, whatever it looks like, to have that fellowship and to have that opportunity to interact. But the week-to-week, -week, the day-to-day -day will be, these are the people I want you to focus on their lives. These are the people that we need to have relationship with and go deep with versus having five or six people that were on this surface level. We're one-to-one, -one, we're, we're in each other's lives, and we're going deep. But then we'll look for opportunities. Okay, how can we, to ensure fellowship, ensure that we're coming together uh, in larger groups as a body? But yeah, so the, the groups will, over the next two weeks, or three weeks, will we'll cease, and then we'll have those one-to-one -one times. Of what, of what this looks like, the time that I grew the most in my walk, we were in Atlanta, we were part of this church in Nidia, because my wife asks and says whatever she thinks most of the time. We were in this big group, and I would have waited. I would have gone, you know, to somebody and asked them afterwards. She says, hey, I, I want to be discipled. Is there anyone here that can disciple me? <laughs> and this other lady says, oh, I, I want to disciple somebody. Let's talk. And Nidia initiated this relationship, and we began to be close with this family. And they were about, um, they were a little ahead of us in their, in their life stage and their family, and we had one small child, and we just started to hang out at their house. They would invite us to dumb stuff, like come over and help us make dinner. Come over, we got a softball game, come and go with us. And I remember standing and talking with this man. I remember as his daughters were playing softball, we stood by the fence, and we just talked, and we talked, and we talked. And I went deeper with him as he asked these intentional questions of me and where I was at as we watched his kid play softball. We didn't, we, I think only one or two times did we sit down with a curriculum and did we go through questions. Most of it, he was just intentional and about, about speaking into my life, about asking me questions, say, come along with us as we do life. Come along with me as I interact with my family, as we go to softball games, as we are in the, at the park. Whatever it was, they just say, come along with us. And so that's this idea, too. This doesn't need to be, there might be, depending on our schedules, depending on the relationship, okay, we've got to establish this time. This has to be the time that we make sure we get together. But we've got to be open to look for those other times when our guard is down, when we're just doing life, when we're with our family. If we truly believe that we're a family, then we'll invite each other in. Then we're willing to share. We're willing to be open to that. Um, we've been praying through that. And so that was a part of a kind of really establishing these groups so that we could start to do life with each other and we could start to see that. I mean, honestly, as we got together and started gathering together in September, October, I mean, a lot of us did not know each other. And this was a chance for us to get in these groups, to be able to get to know each other, to be able to build relationships, to watch each other's lives. And really, it's not what our resume is, not what we've done, not what we can quote, but it's like, what do I see in your life right now? What do I see you demonstrate? And I, and I don't think that's offensive. That's what Scripture says. That's what Paul was watching Timothy. He watched his life. He knew his life. And that's what we've been trying to do is just understand each other, understand where we're at, and understanding how we can best move forward. So looking for relationships that we see that, that we think, hey, here's something we see in your life, and I think this person would be great for it. I think this person would be wonderful for you to walk with. So every relationship, really considering them specifically and individually, but praying through that, praying through those, you know, having your names there and looking at your names, who do we think would be best to walk with this person? Some of both, it, it sort of just depended on what we saw and what was kind of most, what we saw was the, a bigger priority, you know, or a bigger need. But I would encourage you guys to involve families. This is not need to be going off into a corner. There's going to be time for those conversations and for those intimate conversations. But regardless if it's family to family and, oh, the this spouse is, is, is discipling this spouse and the, the wife, you know, they, they connect and match. 
your family should interact. Your family should be connected with each other, if that makes sense. So some, it happens to match up that way, and some, it's not going to. But I would encourage that to happen. Um, they need to, each of those relationships, you need to see each other, not just how they act when you see them. I act very differently at work. <laughs> I have on my tie, and I act a certain demeanor. But when I'm home, I'm different. And so we need to see each other in those different environments and interacting with different people around us. So, so both. According to chapter 2, verse 2, this idea of what I've taught you, teach to other people who will be able to teach to other people, that that's the goal, that that's where we're going, that even as we understand discipleship, to be a disciple is not just to follow Christ, but it's to be following Christ and then encouraging others to follow Christ, walking with others to do that. So that's what we'll be going to. Of course, there will always be people that are being discipled, but as people come into the body, that we're preparing people to walk with other people. So you're either walking with someone else or you're being prepared to walk with someone else, if that makes sense. So, so I'm, I'm being discipled, and part of being discipled is that I'm being prepared to disciple someone else. I may not be doing it right now, but that's the goal. And that truly to be a disciple is to get to the point where I can disciple and walk with someone else. And it's not that I have all these things figured out and I've got all the theology down right and I, I, can, I can go through the, and fill out all the right answers on the test. It's that I know how to, I can walk with someone else and I can encourage them and I can bring them to the Word of God. And this, is what we're, this is what we're doing this through and according to. Um, so yes, so you're either doing it or you're being prepared to do it. So that's what, when your leader meets with you, you guys will talk through that. And then that's what, we don't need to go into that specific, specific, you know, this is to understand these principles and understand the heart behind this. And then as you sit down with, with those that have been leading the groups and talk through that and have those conversations. And again, that this is what we've prayed through. This is what we've asked the Lord to kind of show us what, you know, how would these relationships go together? What would be most beneficial and most fruitful? We should all be, we all want to get to this place where someone is speaking into our lives and we're speaking into someone else's life. As Ernesto said, like I, I meet with Matt regularly, at least every you know two weeks that we're sitting down for long lunches, um, and Jose Luis, and having those conversations that that those of you around that are in my life that that know me, that see me, that know my contact, that uh, Ernesto right now and I are meeting every every Monday morning. You know, it's just those things are happening, and I'm going to be meeting with other people. So, yeah, no one is um, what's the word? No one's uh, exempt, right? It's not like we reach this point where like, I got that, I've done that, I'm a disciple, been there, done that. This is not a hierarchy. That if, if the God says we're a body, right? And so we're, we're interconnected, we're intertwined. There's all these different systems that are going through. There's all these different ways that we connect as a body. And so, so my a nice little cute analogy is this idea that we're this net. It's a discipleship net that we're connected in multiple ways to multiple people and we're in these relationships. And some... So we're connected in multiple ways to multiple people, and there's some that we're closely connected with, and then we're some that we're connected with a little bit further out. But we're all as a body, this net that connects and where none of us can fall through, right? That we're all in relationship with each other, and we're all interconnected. And that's this idea that we're unified, that we're one body, that we're, we're together. So yeah, it's not, it's not a pyramid scheme, <laughs> right? This is not multi-level marketing. We're not going to ask you to sell products, okay? But we're interconnected, and so we have to open our lives to each other to do that. So yeah, the relationship goes both ways. But someone is, is bearing more of the responsibility. I think it's probably the best way to say it. Like, this person has a responsibility to ensure that this relationship is fruit-producing, that it's walking according to the Word, but the relationship goes both ways. Ernesto speaks into my life, and I speak into his when we have that time. As goofy and as young as he is, he says things that convict me, right? He doesn't talk to me about my haircut, but other things. Other things. 
And we have to be open to that and don't think that there's this, here are certain qualifications for you to disciple someone else. There are so many things that go into that and our, our, where we're at in life, what, we've, what our life looks like according to Scripture. There's so many things. So don't think that, that there's, a, there's criteria, no, this person can or this person cannot disciple me, cannot speak it in my life, cannot share the Word of God with me. Because all we have, the only authority we need, truly, is the Word of God. That he says, as we rightly handle this Word of God, it's just we're speaking as God Himself. And that's what we're to do in each other's life, is to share the Word of God, to speak the Word of God into each other's life. And we can't be shy to do that. We can't be embarrassed to do that. If we want to grow, if we want to be disciples, and we want to make disciples, we have to do that. We share the truth and love with each other. But that can only be done in relationships. But anything, any other questions? My Karina says stop. She's not afraid to tell me. It's things like when she, the other day I came home and I had just had a mint. And she goes, oh, puppy, your breath smells so good for once. <laughs> and so that was, that was truth, but it was, I mean, it was love, but there was truth to that too, right? <laughs> so that's what we need to do with each other. And that we would have those relationships. And she has to know that I'll receive that. And we have to be willing to receive that from each other. No matter what, we're not judging each other. They don't have to be qualified and at this high position. But no, I'm just going to receive the Word of God as you share it with me. We'll be with these people until we need to be with somebody else. I think that there are different, as, as God has gifted us, as we're all part of this body and we each have different functions, that there's going to be time. There's not one person that, like, this is the perfect person to disciple me. That they're going to have weaknesses as well. They're going to have issues as well. And that we need to be interacting with the body. So this is not something that, okay, for the next five years, this is who you're going to walk with. And that's something we'll continue to pray through, we'll continue to be open to. We'll take it one step at a time. But yeah. This is not done. This is not in stone. But at the same time, that doesn't mean, oh, well, if I hold on long enough, I can get out of this relationship, right? Because that, that would demonstrate to me you need to be in that relationship longer. So don't think, don't think you can play us, okay? Because we're called to humility, right? I mean, we're called to, who am I? Who am I? Not to listen to this person share the Word of God in my life. It's not about them. It's about the Word of God. Well, let me pray for us. And we'll, we'll close. And I appreciate it. You guys endured on, on like one of the toughest Sundays of the year. that we, And we've probably gone the longest than we've gone. But it's important stuff. And, um, and I think it's critical. And you guys, I hope you hear my heart. That this is what we have to be about. This is what we have to make central. Have to make it foundational. And Father God, Lord, I... Even as I share this... Lord, I just confess that I hear this voice saying that this will not work. This will not work. People will be upset. People will be frustrated. People will walk away. But Lord, I pray that you would build faith. We would have just faith of a mustard seed, Father, that, that this is what we see in your word, Father, and that we want to be according to your word, Lord, according to what you've instructed us, Lord, that we would make disciples not as we see fit, but as you see fit, Lord, as you've told us to. Lord, that we would realize our place and that, Lord, you have all authority. Lord, I pray that we would give you priority. Lord, and we would open ourselves up, Lord, that we are part of you and we're a part of this body. Lord, in these relationships are to be like family, that are to be deeper than family, Father. They're forever, they're eternal. Lord, that we're unified in, in you. 
no matter what our background, no matter what our situation, Lord, we have you, and that's where our fellowship is. That's how we grow together. So, Lord, I pray that you would just break down barriers in our minds and even in our hearts, Father, and in our lives. Lord, I pray that, that you would knit us together and that through your word we would speak in each other's lives. Lord, you would teach us to love each other and to share truth. That we would truly walk together as brothers and sisters. Lord, give us that perspective. Change our hearts. Change our minds, Father. Lord, and I pray that we would be about discipleship. And that through that, Lord, we would get to participate in what you are doing here. Lord, I pray that through discipleship, Lord, that this neighborhood would be changed. That this neighborhood, this community would be transformed, Lord. That you would be glorified. That you would do your work here. Lord, and we just thank you that we get to participate. Lord, may we do our part. May we humble ourselves and follow you. Lord, thank you for this body. Thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, it is an honor to be called your children. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.